verse 4. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the tense here is, have overcome. Not will, but have. And the reason we have overcome is because Jesus has overcome the world and has given us his victory. And so there will never be a battle that you will face in the future that Jesus hasn't already won as your substitute. And as we tap into the victory that we have in him, we experience victory in every situation in life. If we move over one chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And, of course, the question there is meant to lead the reader to the single conclusion that unless you're born of God, you'll never overcome this world. But even if you have been born of God, you still must operate in faith in order to overcome the world. As I was meditating on this verse as well, I know this may sound a little odd, but you do realize that Jesus, as a man, was born of God, and he overcame this world the same way you and I are overcoming this world by faith. Amen. He overcame this world by faith. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, a really important verse, simple, very brief, but man, the line that this verse draws in the sand. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I believe we can gain great understanding into what it means to walk by faith by understanding better what it means to walk by sight. Walking by sight means to live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. To live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. Walking by faith means living your life based upon and in response to what God has said, done, Uh, has said and done regardless of the way things look, seem, and feel. And then last week, and I'll just be brief here and we'll look at one new thing and then we'll go have some lunch together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I asked you last week, and just for those of you who weren't here, I asked you to to look at these um, three pillars as a foundation for the life that God created and intended each one of us to live, a foundation for the life that God created and intends for each one of us to live, a life of not just faith only, but one of faith, hope, and love. The word abide there means that these three go together, they work together, and they produce results together in our lives. Most people on planet Earth, most people on planet Earth are not living their lives according to faith, hope, and love, but according to fear, regret, and selfishness, and it was the exact opposite of the way God created and intended for us to live. And then last week I asked you to consider these three in light of the way we look at things. And we said faith is the ability to see beyond this world, the created realm, in other words, the realm of the flesh, the realm of, of, of humanity. Faith is the ability to see beyond that. Remember, with men things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. Hope is the ability to see beyond your circumstances. Love is the ability to see beyond yourself. And if you never learn to see beyond yourself, you'll never learn to see beyond what you're going through. And if you never are able to see beyond what you're going through, then you'll never be able to see beyond this world. And and by the way, the Bible says our help comes from heaven. Our help comes from God. Our help comes from another realm. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Y'all good? Okay. Maybe you're just thinking. All right, so... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 
It says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's talking about our ability to see beyond this created realm. Our ability to see things that the physical eye can't see, but the heart of faith and the eyes of faith can see. And we have examples of of this in the book of Hebrews. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now notice that's important language there because... Jesus was God's only begotten son. And so when God, in covenant with Abraham, asked him to offer his only begotten son, God was obligating himself to do the same for Abraham and the descendants of Abraham. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Now look at this, verse 19. Concluding that God was able to raise him up. In other words, Abraham had reached a conclusion. He didn't go up on that mountain to sacrifice Isaac in fear and anxiety, stressed out, biting his fingernails, rubbing his hands together. What are we going to do? He told Sarah, me and the boy are going to sacrifice and me and the boy will be back. He had already, notice what it says here, he had already concluded that God was able to raise Isaac up even from the dead. Now notice verse 19, the last part, from which he also received him in a figure. Now what does that mean, received him in a figure? It means that Abraham had already seen it through the eyes of faith, Isaac being raised from the dead. He, he, he was able to see beyond this, this world and, and what's possible with this world with another lens. He was able to see from a faith perspective, which gives you a heaven's perspective on things. And from a heavenly perspective and a heavenly conclusion, he already saw God raising Isaac from the dead. We see it in a few verses down in Hebrews 11, verse 27. Speaking of Moses, it says, By faith he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So we often think of, and, and, and religion in the world uses this term blind faith. Blind faith. You ever heard that expression? Blind faith. My friend, there's no such thing as blind faith. True faith sees what physical eyes can't see. True faith, genuine faith doesn't go into a situation blind. Moses didn't lead God's people out of Egypt blind. He didn't go up on, Isaac, Abraham didn't go up on the mountain to sacrifice Isaac blind. It wasn't blind faith. He had already seen how this was going to turn out. That was what supported his faith and what gave him the, the courage and the ability to follow through on what God had instructed him to do. So again, Jesus overcame this world as a man, born of God, living by faith. Jesus was in the world as a man, but he did not live with a view of this world that came from this world. Now, I skipped over some of our introductory uh, remarks that we've been making now since the beginning of this year, so let me at least make one of those, okay? You and I were never meant to live in this world with a view of this world that comes from this world. I'm going to say it again. We were never meant to live in this world 
with a view of this world, looking at this world, looking at our place in this world, looking at things that we experience in this world, looking at circumstances that, that we face in this world, looking at challenges and difficulties and diagnoses and what have you. We were never meant to live in this world with a view of anything and everything that we would ever face and deal with in this world with a view that comes from this world. Let me tell you where the one of the, where the, one of the biggest this is, this is one of the really, really, really most important things, is that we were never meant to look at each other the way the world looks at one another. Amen? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't see you the way the world sees you? Aren't you glad that, that, that Father God didn't base his love for you on the reputation that you have or established for yourself in this, in this world, amen, uh, based upon your own efforts and abilities? No, so he sees you through an entirely, entirely different lens, and he invites you and me, he invites you and me to see others the same way he sees them. As a matter of fact, that's why he tells us to love one another, amen, as we love ourselves. And then the, the new commandment is to love others as he loves them. The only way you can love somebody else the way Jesus loves them is if you can see them the way he sees them. Now, let's go to John chapter 3 and we'll, we'll kind of land here for a few minutes and, and, and then we'll finish, okay? John chapter 3, verse number 1. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. I, I, um, when we watched this with the uh, young adults uh, in the Chosen series, um, I leaned over, I sat next to Sister Pam, and I leaned over to her and I said, this is the most important conversation perhaps that's ever taken place. <laughs> I know that's, that's a, big, a big statement here, but, but it's, it's really... You know, Jesus and a religious leader named Nicodemus, Pharisee named Nicodemus, they meet under cover of darkness and they have a conversation. And thank, 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 thank you, God, that we have it recorded because there are things that are revealed here. There are things that Jesus established here that um, are life-changing for all of us because this is where we have the, the truth and the opportunity and the reality, if you will, uh, of being born again introduced to us. So let's begin in John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Jesus was performing miracles. We know that he went about Galilee. We know he went about doing good, destroying the works of the devil, healing the sick, casting out demons. Uh, raising the dead, crippled people, blind people, deaf people, Jesus healing them everywhere, everywhere he went. And Nicodemus had witnessed, personally, I witnessed some of these miracles, and he, for the life of him, couldn't figure out how Jesus was, quote-unquote, doing it. Now, as a Pharisee, Nicodemus would have believed in the, in the supernatural. He would have believed in the possibility of, of miracles from God. But he also had a very rigid framework from, from which he... Uh, would, would try to comprehend things. And Jesus didn't seem to fit in any of the categories that the religious establishment had for, for people in, in those days. And so, but to, to Nicodemus's credit, he didn't take the position that some of the other religious leaders took. And if you recall, that position was he's, he's doing these miracles by the power of the devil. Now, listen to me. I, I know that we've said this over and over. I'm going to say it again. Whatever you look to will become the lens you look through. Whatever you look to 
And by looking to, I mean looking to for answers, looking to for help, looking to uh, as your source, looking to uh, for your contentment in life, looking to for your peace in life, looking to for your joy in life, looking to for your satisfaction, your sense of well-being, your sense of self-worth. Whatever it is that you look to becomes the lens you look through. It becomes the way you see things. So... I know that you think, well, if I ever saw a miracle, if I, if I ever really saw a miracle, I would believe and I would know there was a God beyond any shadow of a doubt. But see, here, here's the problem with that. You've already seen them and you didn't know that you did. Your heart beating in your chest is a miracle. The exact balance of oxygen in our atmosphere to keep you alive is a miracle. But I'm talking about something way beyond that. I mean, looking back on our lives, the Bible says we'll one day judge angels. That doesn't mean you're going to be critical of angels. See, we think judging somebody means condemning or being critical of them. You're going to judge angels because you're going to have the opportunity to finally see clearly one day in heaven all the times that angels intervened on your behalf. All the times that you just thought you were a good driver and a good driving had nothing to do with it. It was angels that, that, that saved you alive in that car accident. It was this and that and all these other things. See, the reality of it is, and Romans 1 talks about this, the eternal power of God and His divine wisdom is obvious in the, in the creation. Amen. His, his fingerprints are all over creation in this world. I, I don't have it in my notes. I, I wouldn't really plan on going this far this morning. But if you get a chance, look it up later. There is a view of Earth from Mars, one of the Mars rovers um, from the surface of Mars, looking back to the earth, took a picture of the earth. And man, it's this, it's this little bitty thing, way, you know, obviously way, way, way out there. And of course, it's lit up in, in, a, in a dark sky. And you realize, man, God did that. Life is on that planet, this planet that we live on, because of the divine wisdom and power of God. Amen. So we think, man, if I see miracles, but see, we, miracles are all, are all around us, just like they were all around Nicodemus, but because of the lens that he was looking through, he couldn't make sense of what he was seeing. And this is what led some people to say, again, thank God Nicodemus wasn't one of those, but they knew that it was something supernatural or was something otherworldly, and so they went underworld. They said, well, this has got to be from the devil. Because again, the lens they looked through, their religion and their, their own self-righteousness became what they looked to for their self-worth and their significance, their security. Because they looked to that, now they're looking through that, and Jesus didn't fit in their view of, of how they thought things should be. Amen. Are you still with me? All right. So, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot, come on, say it with me, see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So again, Nicodemus was confused because he was looking through the the wrong lens. But do you realize what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying that as born-again people, we have the ability to see what other people cannot see. We have the ability to see the kingdom of God. Do you realize there's a difference between seeing the government of the United States of America and seeing the kingdom of God? But again, how many people... How many people, this is, the leaven, this is the leaven of Herod, how many people look to the government, right, for their help? So if that's what you look to, that becomes the lens you look through. Come on now, where are we looking? We're looking to the kingdom. We're laying up treasure in the kingdom. 
And because we're laying up treasure in the kingdom, we have skin, so to speak, in the kingdom. Our heart now is connected to the kingdom. And because we're looking to God, we're looking to His realm, we're looking to His world, we're looking to His government, we're looking to His resources. Now, now that becomes the lens, ever more so, that we look through. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, notice now, again, what you look to will become the lens you look through. Jesus is talking about being born again. Nicodemus has a view of this world that came from this world, and he's trying to figure out how a full-grown man can go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time. Notice now, he's looking at everything through a lens of the flesh. He's looking at everything through, and that's, if you understand uh, righteousness by works, if you understand self-righteousness, it's all about uh, your works, it's all about what you've done, it's all about trying to impress other people by how good you are. And that, that was the mindset, that was the focus of a Pharisee. And it was all flesh-oriented as opposed to grace and spirit-oriented. So now notice, Nicodemus is looking to the flesh, he's now looking through the flesh, And when Jesus introduces one of the most important concepts that could ever be introduced to humanity, the opportunity for us to be born a second time of a different seed and become a new creation in Christ Jesus, Nicodemus is confused because he's not looking at it, right? He can't see it. Jesus said, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born again of the Spirit. So if I'm sitting on my sofa and I look out my window and I see a tree moving, I don't run outside to see if Sasquatch has come out of the woods and is shaking the tree. I take it for granted that the, that the wind is blowing. As a matter of fact, I may even say something like this to Pam. Man, wind's blowing today. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's he's saying that the wind blows where it wishes. You can hear it, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I know that some of these verses can get a little bit complex, but I want to simplify it for you. Because Jesus is actually answering the question that Nicodemus didn't know how to ask when he says, we know God has to be with you because no man can do the signs that you do unless God be with him. So he's he's trying to figure out how Jesus is doing, where are these miracles coming from? And they're coming from the kingdom. They're coming because Jesus is touching two worlds at the same time. They're coming because Jesus is in this world, but he's not of this world. They're coming because Jesus is living in this world, but he's looking at everything he's facing and dealing with and the people that he's coming in contact with, not from a view that came from this world, but from through a lens of heaven, through a heavenly, uh, nothing's impossible perspective. So let me try to see if I can simplify this for you. We're talking about visible signs produced by an invisible source. You can see the tree move. You can see the branches and the leaves turn and 
and, and, and flow and flutter, but you don't see the wind. But you know that it's the wind, which is invisible, producing a sign that is visible. Visible signs from an invisible source. Praise God. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so patient with us, Father. Thank you for always believing the best about us. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ultimate price for our salvation, to pay the ultimate price for all the wrong and all the sins that we've committed so that we could go free from our sin and, Lord, become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Father, it's not, it's not a figurative. It's not a metaphor, Lord. It's reality. The new birth is a reality. And, Father, I thank you that because we've been born again, because we've been born again, we now have the opportunity to see this world through the lens of heaven. We now have the opportunity to see whatever it is that we may be facing or dealing with in life, Father, from a heavenly perspective instead of a limited, uh, light-limited, uh, obscure perspective of this world. Father, I thank you that the, that the light that is in us is light from heaven and the darkness is passing away and the true light, true light, Father, is already shining. And I thank you, Father, that we have a singular focus, a singular focus, Lord. And I thank you that our whole bodies are full of light, Lord, that we can see, that we can see clearly. Father, that, that we can see what's important and we can see what's not. We can see what's of value, Lord, and what's, what's meaningful and what's not. Father, that we're not confused like other people, Lord, in, in thinking that, that, that minor things are major and major things are minor. But, Father, because we can see clearly and you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand, Father, that we're not going to waste and squander our lives, Father, on, on the frustrations of this world system, on the frustrations of, of, of the things that this world promises to, to make us happy, Father, and, and to satisfy us, Lord. But they're, they're deceitful, Lord, because they give the appearance and they seem right, but, Lord, they, they don't lead us to any place that we desire to be at the end. Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that we are breaking free from the limited vision and the limited approach to life of this world, Father, that we refuse to live our lives based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. Father, if that's all that was available to us, then that would be different. But Lord, I thank you that we can rise above because you've given to every one of us the measure of fate. And Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us now how to see things according to what you have said and according to what you have done, according to what you have said about us and what you have said to us, Lord, and what you have done for us and what you have given to us. Father, that that's what we're looking to and that's becoming the lens that we look through. A significant shift, Father. A significant shift. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, you talked about being born again. I, I've, I've never received that gift of salvation. I've never been born again. But, but today's my day. I'd, I'd like to receive that gift. Is there anybody? Just lift your hand. We'll pray with you right now. Anybody? Amen. Amen. All right. So, Father, we thank you for the food that has been prepared. We thank you for the fellowship that is at hand. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to, to give honor, Lord, to uh, one who is in many ways a mother to us all. And, Lord, I just thank you for uh, blessing Mom on this, her special day, and our time together as we enjoy this food. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here. I've instructed Brother Jerry to lock all the doors and not let anybody out. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Amen. Please.